Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. What is up? Welcome to episode 130 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we're only going to talk about a couple topics, but a lot of detail with those topics. First half of the podcast, we're talking about Fernando Tatis' mega deal, 14 years, $134 million. We'll talk about the detail in the contract. And also talk about a company called Big League Advance and how they are involved with Fernando Tatis and his mega deal. Talk about some history with the deal and what the Padres are looking like in 2021 and beyond with the new contract and Tatis staying there for the next 14 years. Plus, Taiwan Walker signed a two-year deal today, $20 million to the New York Mets. Talk about the rotation. Talk about, you know, maybe should it be Jake Odorizzi getting a contract? Maybe over Walker. But we'll talk about that, of course. And then MLB Network announced their top 100 players. Talk about the top 10. And talk about, do I agree with some of the uh, people that were listed, players that were listed in the top 10 and others on the list. And, of course, spring training is here. I mean, what a time to be alive, kids. Spring training is here. I'm excited. I'm pumped. We'll talk about all pitchers and catchers stuff. I'm just stoked. I'm freaking pumped. And then at the second half, after our after a quick little break, we'll talk about the Carson Wentz trades to the Colts, what this means for both teams, and going forward with uh, maybe Deshaun Watson trade. How does this trade influence Deshaun Watson's value and so forth? And then we'll talk about, unfortunately, the Vincent Jackson death, wide receiver who played with the Chargers and Bucks over 12 seasons, was found dead in a Florida hotel New reports came out today. We'll get dive into those details. And then I'll talk about this brand new app called Clubhouse. It's been around for maybe about a year. The evaluation is about a billion dollars. It is a great networking app. I'll talk about all those details at the end. But I'm on this app 24-7. It's actually really bad how, how often I'm on it. But it's a lot of fun. And I might be making a sports podcasting group, whatever, uh, just networking, stuff like that. But I'll, I'll get into that at the end. Let's now talk about the Fernando Tatis signing 14 years, $134 million for a 22-year-old shortstop. How incredible is that? So Tatis will be paid. This is the details around this deal. Very interesting. So he'll be paid $34 million in total over the next four seasons and then about $306 million over the next 10 after those first four which then totals out to $340 million, right? So he'll get about a $10 million signing bonus with salaries of $1 million, $5 million, $7 million, and $11 million in those first four years. The deal tops out at $36 million for, for that total, and then there's a no-trade clause and no-opt-out clause. Interesting deal with the first four years, making a total of $34 million. Now think of this way. From now until the next four years, he at the end of that four years, realistically, his arb years would be over. Arb years are arbitration deals. So the arbitration hearings, you know, of what he's worth and they kind of negotiate how much he'll get paid that year. Those arbitration hearings, hopefully you never have to go to one of those. It's a pain in the butt. Players argue and fight with the teams and with their agents. It's it's a bad deal. 
So, in a sense, he's getting paid whatever the amount is, eight, nine million dollars, whatever it is. I gotta do the math here, but um, so I'm not good at math. Wasn't a math major, so it's about eight and a half million. I was pretty close. Okay, nice. Uh, so it's about eight and a half million dollars over the next four years each year. So that totals out to about thirty-four million. So in a sense, he's getting the eight and a half million like he's dealing with arbitration years. I, I don't know. That's how kind of how I look at it. I might not be explaining it that well. But in a sense, that's how it, they're doing the deal. And then after that, he's getting paid the big bucks. But the questions around this deal. So he's 22 years old. He's played. He hasn't played a full season of baseball in two years, right? He's the face of the game. He's the face of the Padres franchise. You can argue that he is the face or maybe he is. And maybe he's like, you know, with, with the Mookie Betts and Trouts. But. Why would you sign? I'll do devil's advocate here. So I'll start off with this one. Why would you give a 22 year old all this money? Right? Well, I'll give the reason what I agree with. You should be doing this. You know what you, 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 we've seen on a short, short term, well, over, well, I think 145 games, what he can do. I think it's on, I think he averages in that 145 games, he's had 39 home runs and, 98 driven in, something like that. I'm not looking at his stats um, with detail right now, but this is what I looked up yesterday. We know what we can see. We, we, we saw what we saw the last two years on the field. Unbelievable defender, a five-tool player, hits for average, average can crush home runs. We've seen 3-0 counts in grand slams. We've seen the talent. For a guy like this, you can't let him go. Now you say, wait, why don't we just wait until he, he becomes a free agent? Well, he could be worth more. Now you're saying 340 is a lot of money, dude. I know it's a lot of money. But imagine when he becomes a free agent for the very first time in his career. Imagine how much money he could be worth after that. Imagine you look back on this in the next four or five years when he becomes a free agent and say, yo, we just saved it. 150 million, 200 million dollars. He could be worth 450 million dollars right now. We don't, we don't know. But this is what you got to do. You got to sign these guys when you, when you see the talents there. Sign them when you can. That's what you got to do. Now a team like the Cleveland Indians didn't do that. They let Francisco Lindor become a free agent, or not free agent. They let him go up until his free agent year, which is this year. He becomes a free agent next offseason. They should have signed him up long term. Did the Indians have a lot of money? Not really. But they should have been smart in how they've won along with the free agency, letting guys go. I mean, that the whole Indians roster has been depleted. They're, none of their guys are on the none of their best players are on the roster anymore from that 2006 World Series uh, appearance against the Chicago Cubs, Bauer's gone, Clevenger's gone, Kluber's gone. Now Lindor's gone, Carrasco's gone. So there's a lot of guys that are just not there anymore due to the Indians not being smart with their money. They should have signed Lindor long-term, just like what the Padres did. Not seeing a, you know, a full season or two, three full seasons of play, but it, it, you don't have to be a baseball scout. You don't have to be a baseball expert. You watch this kid play a couple of games, 
this is a once in a generation type talent. Once in a generation. And something like this, you just can't give up. You can't give a, a, a player an option to become a free agent so he can think about going somewhere else. Because I can tell you this, the Dodgers would be at him. The Yankees would be going after him. The new Mets would be going after him. Anybody who has money would be going after this guy if he became a free agent. And so now he signs the third largest contract in baseball history. Good for you. This is how it should be. Tatis is going to be a Padre for the rest of his career. At age 35, he'll be a free agent, and he can sign another short deal, three, four years, worth, you know, $40, $50 million. Why not? It's a huge deal. So now, Tatis, when he was a teenager playing in single-A baseball, he signed a contract with a company called Big League Advance, which is a firm that invests their money in young athletes. This is a this is a situation we've never seen this situation before, and I'm about to, about to say it. So, Big League Advance, like I said, is a firm that invests in the young athletes. So, since 2017, they've invested 26 million dollars to 77 ball players. Now, this firm spreads investments across dozens of other athletes' prospects by giving them cash up front in exchange for a percentage of their future earnings. This is a genius idea. A genius idea. So according to Big League Advance, this, I'm reading an article from Market Watch right now. The firm, like I said before, has spread $26 million over 77 minor league players in 2017, not since, in 2017, including Tatis. Players like Tatis then give up anywhere between one and 12% of their future MLB earnings. The typical deal is for about 8% of the future earnings. But the firm has not stated the details of Tatis's contract. The contract applies to MLB earnings and non-endorsements. Now, endorsement deals, depending on the player, can be a lot of money, right? Look at LeBron, right? He has a you know lifetime deal with Nike over billions of dollars, right? So he's set. There's like other players like Jeter with... He was with Jordan, and I think A-Rod was with Nike. So, like, you have all these, you know, Trouts with, with Nike. And so those endorsement deals do not involve in the contract, which I think is a, is a big deal when it comes to this. So if Tatis's deal was for 8% of his earnings, but we, we're just using the speculation because we, we don't know the details of his contract, but the typical one, like I said before, is 8%. So if Trout, I mean, if, so if Tatis got this 8%, of his earnings to um, big league advance, that would mean $27.2 million of its contract will go to big league advance. So in a sense, big league advance hit a home run, dude. Like they, they absolutely killed it with this contract. Unbelievable. Now this is a statement from the CEO of big league advance. When we signed him, when we signed him, he wasn't even considered a top 40 prospect. At the time, talking to investors, the amount of money we were offering him was a sizable portion of our bankroll, but we trusted the model. Tatis's father, which everyone knows is Fernando Tatis, who played Mets, Cardinals, big league ball, big home run hitter for a short period of time in his career, um, was tallying over $18 million in career earnings. So that has me something to do with it. 
considering how difficult it is to make it to the MLB from the minor leagues, the risk can be uh, can be worth a, it. It could hurt the you know it could hurt both parties, right? But for some athletes to take a quick money, allow about you know ten percent of minor leaguers make it to the big leagues, according to uh, data from Mother Jones. I don't know Mother Jones. I guess is a website, but this is a is a big deal in the baseball world and sports world right now because I we they have this team this company is work as this firm has worked with seventy seven other baseball players, minor league players, but nobody has of of interest of of name has come up in conversation. Until until Tatis, it's absolutely a genius genius move by Big League Advance. Some people can speculate that maybe this is the wrong thing to do. Maybe this is you're you're, you're taking money from the kid, right? But this is what Tatis signed for. I need some money right now in front to help me go through the minor league level. He wasn't the minors that long, so I was a little, a little, it's a little weird that that he did it. And also, his dad has money. His dad has, has made eighteen million dollars over his major league career. Now I don't know how much money the guy has left, but this is what he's done. This is what he, this is what he earns. I would think that Tatis would have been fine overall. Now, if you guys remember one of the more famous examples of. A contract going wrong and paying someone's paying someone else uh, a deal over time was the Bobby Bonilla deal, who agreed to forego five point nine million dollars. So the Mets owed him upfront that payment in two thousand, and in favor for payments spread over twenty four years with an annual eight percent interest rate. So when all the payments to Bonilla's contract is over in two thousand thirty five. His total payout will be $29.8 million. This will be one year after Tatis's 14-year, $340 million contract expires. So this is an example of what not to do with the Bobby Bonilla thing. I, I don't know that like goes with the whole conversation. I just thought, I just read, I, I read uh, uh, some notes I had, which is really funny. But in general, from what I'm talking about here, this company, Big League Advance, is making big league moves. They just made 26, supposedly, from what we've seen, if it's the typical 8% um, on the future earnings, what is what they usually do. You, this company is making anywhere from 27 to $30 million off of Tatis alone. So they took a risk on Tatis, who wasn't even a top 40 prospect at the time, and now he's one of the best players in the game and makes all this money. Super interesting, super super freaking cool. Something we'll never we've never seen before, but we'll probably see this more often now. Now, since the Machado signing with the Padres two years ago, this Padres lineup and roster in general has exploded, right? So before Machado, you had Hosmer. He was like the the first big name player to come over to the Padres in the last four years, right? It was a ton of money. Now Machado goes goes over. I think it was like three hundred million, whatever the contract was. But now since then, they've added Cleverger, they've added Snell, Darvish, Musgrove, Cronenworth, Austin Nola, Jerkins and Profar, Hun Sung Kim, 
and Drew Pomerantz. That's either guys they've signed or traded. And now that they've extended, they've signed Tatis throughout the next 14 years. So if I had to say, the winners of the offseason, you could make a case it was the Dodgers. You could make a case it was the Mets. But I think that the Padres have now finished the offseason going into spring training week one. They are the winners of the offseason. Getting Musgrove, getting Snell, getting Darvish in, in free agency and trades, and now getting a long-term deal done out of the way before free agency even hits for Tatis is absolutely remarkable. An interesting thing here. found this out online. So Tatis' contract, he is the 15th player, 15th time a deal has signed by a player as a free agent deal or as an extension for $240 million or more. So let me, let, me, let me read that to you guys again. So Fernando Tatis' deal is the 15th deal signed by a player as a free agent deal or as an extension for $240 million or more. The list is ridiculous. So here's like the oldest to, to, to the youngest. Uh, A-Rod, 32 years old with the Yankees. Pujols, 32. It's Strasburg, Cano, Miguel Cabrera's contract. Rendon's, Coles, Aaron Niles, Trouts, Mookie Betts, Harper, Stan Machado, and then the youngest guy was uh, A-Rod with the Rangers at 25 years of age. But Tatis is now the youngest at 22. So it's pretty pretty insane stuff. I think this is great for the game of baseball. To It also shows young fans. It also shows um, fans in general. shows baseball overall that it's nice to see a homegrown talent, minor league guy, going through the system, drafted through the system, stay with a franchise its entire career. Is it the, that that player's entire career? We don't see that often anymore, right? We don't, we don't we just don't. Trout's gonna do that, you know. We I honestly we thought we would see that with Mookie Betts with the Red Sox. That didn't happen. Uh, we saw you know with the old school guys Jeter and. Um, Cal Ripken Juniors of the world, right? We just don't see guys stay with their roster forever. We're going to see it with Clayton Kershaw's and Adam Wainwright and Yada Yamolina, but it's nice to see a top 10 talent stay with a franchise its entire his, his entire career, which is great. Great for the game. I, I That's personally my opinion. I love that, but... um. Honestly, wherever the money calls you, uh, I wouldn't doubt I'd do the same thing if someone asked me for money. You know, like with the Arenado's trade and the Garrett Cole signing last year, two years ago, I would go to. Uh, another signing that happened yesterday, or actually talking about today, is uh, Taiwan Walker, who's pitched for the Mariners over the years. First started, then went to D-backs, Blue Jays last year. Signed a two-year deal worth $20 million to the New York Mets. Big signing. In in the grand scheme of the Mets rotation, it's a big deal. And here's why. You didn't have a – your four was David Peterson. David Peterson isn't a four. He could be. I think he's more of a five. But adding Taiwan Walker to a rotation has been a – it's a big upgrade. right? You have DeGrom starting opening day. You have Carlos Carrasco at your two, who was part of the Indians trade with Tatis. And three, who Marcus Stroman, who signed um, 
Um, I think it wasn't an ARB deal, but um, a re-signing. I had to look back at what exactly what it was, but they signed him, re-signed him. Uh, then Tywin Walker and then David Peterson. And then in June, scheduled as of right now in June, the Mets will get Noah Syndergaard back, and he would slide into that five spot. Uh, and Peterson will be out, depending on injuries or whatever. But this is a great offseason for the Mets. Getting Lindor, Carrasco, McCann, Trevor May, and now Tywin Walker. If I were Mets fans, this is a great offseason. One of the better offseasons they've done in a long time. Now, can they win? That asks the question. They have the town all around. And in Taiwan Walker grabs it creates depth. It creates balance in the rotation. Can he produce? Can he come up clutch in big games? We'll have to see. But as of right now, I think the Mets have a solid, solid rotation going into opening day. MLB Network released a top 100 players list over the past week. They've been announcing it. By teams, the White Sox and Dodgers are tied with nine players in the top 100. Nine. That's an incredible amount. And I'm going to read off that list right now. I had it right in front of me before. Hold on. I'm looking at the wrong app here. There we go. So as of right now, you have in that top 100 for both teams, the Dodgers have... Uh, you have Seeger, Betts, Bellinger, Kershaw, uh, Bauer, Walker Bueller, Max Muncy, Turner, and Will Smith. For the White Sox, who some say maybe a little overrated, I disagree 100%. They have Tim Anderson, Giolito, Grandal. Um, you have uh, Roberts, Hendricks, new signing, Jimenez. MVP Abreu, Lance Lynn, new signing. And it looks like Yoan Mankata is that guy too. So, nine. The Mets with seven guys. So it's the Yankees, seven top 10, 100, top 100 players. Blue Jays with six. Braves, Padres, and Cubs with five. And then there's five team tides with four players in the top 100. Tampa Bay, Boston, Houston, and Washington. Now, the top 10. I think it was a no-doubter for the top two, Trouts and Betts. Number three was Jacob deGrom. Four, Freddie Freeman. Juan Soto at five. Six, you had Fernando Tatis Jr. Seven, Ronald Cunha Jr. Eight, Anthony Rendon. Nine, Christian Yelich. And at rounding out at the bottom of the top ten, you had Cody Bellinger. Okay, so... Is this the right top 10 list? You can see the top three, absolutely. Jacob deGrom, the only pitcher in the top 10. I think that's exactly right. He's the best pitcher in the league. He's definitely a top 10 guy. I'm going to be honest. I did not see Christian Yelich crack in the top 10. Definitely in the top 15. I honestly thought we would see a DJ LeMahieu in there. Or maybe um, you could even say a Shane Bieber in there. Was very surprised because I know overall these players are fantastic, right? They're amazing. They're the top 10 players in the league. Last year, Christian Yelich had a really rough year. Guys like Juan Soto, well-deserved at five. Freddie Freeman, amazing MVP at four. Perfect. 
Tatis. You know, actually with the Soto and Tatis thing, you can maybe swap those two. Acuna at seven is great. Rendon, I know everyone knows I'm a Arenado stan. Arenado was 13th on the top 100. I would put, personally, I would put Arenado in a top 10, take take Rendon out. Rendon maybe could be a 13 or 12. And Cody Ballinger, um, I think he's well-deserved in the top 10 as well. But I, I would have to say the one that shocked me the most was Christian Yelich. Not saying he's bad at all. I think LeMahieu got snubbed a little bit at 14. I think he's definitely that 9 or 10 range, maybe even higher, maybe 8 or something like that. Because the guy's a machine, absolute machine. Um, you had guys like Manny Machado at 18, Bregman at 17. Guys that really weren't shockers to me to be in the top 20. I was a little shocked by Bauer at 29. I thought he would be a little higher, maybe in the top 19, 18 range. Aaron Judge at 21, who had a really, um, you know, guy's amazing talent. Maybe he could have been a little lower, higher. I can't really gauge what I'm trying to say here. You know what I mean? Higher numbers like the 24, 25 range. Uh, Matt Chapman at 23. Walker Bueller, I thought was a little little uh I didn't agree with that at 40 maybe he should have been a little lower lower in, higher in number I'm sorry higher in number in like the top uh I, I don't know what I'm trying to say higher or lower hold on lower would be low in the ranks no we want higher in the rankings like in the top I would say it's top 20 pitcher top 20 player in the league Jose Abreu at 31 who won the MVP a little weird but it's it's hard to gauge. There's a lot of good players. But I would say the only thing with my top ten, like I said before, should change is Arenado get in there. Christian Yelich had a really rough year last year. It's pretty evident. Um, but also really interesting here, teams not featured in the top 100 players. Tigers, Pirates, and Marlins. Tigers and Pirates, they're shitty teams. They're horrible. Not going to be good. Spencer Torkelson, number one pick. Better, very, very good young hitter. Maybe he'll be in 2000, 2022 season, but we'll have to wait and see. But the Pirates, they're a garbage team. Marlins made the postseason last year, but they're realistically, they're not great. And the last thing I want to end here in the first half of the podcast, spring training is here. I'm excited. Pitchers and catchers here. February 28th is the first game that will be happening. I will have I have the MLB app, so I have TV. I got three screens. I'm going to watch a shit ton of games. I can't freaking wait. Pitchers and catchers looking great. I've watched some highlights. Nothing crazy going on right now. But when the play, the other players, the hitters start coming to camp, it's I'm just excited, man. You guys know baseball is my number one sport. Love talking about it. More baseball content to come. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Carson Wentz traded to the Colts, the Awful Vincent Jackson death that happened this week. And we'll talk about Clubhouse, the new app that's blowing up the world right now when we come back. And we're back and let's talk about Carson Wentz traded to the Indianapolis Colts. So Philly agreed to trade Wentz for... In exchange of a 2021 
third round pick, which is the 85th pick overall. And a 2022 second round pick that could turn into a first round pick based on Wentz's playing time. We'll get into that in a second. So, what does this mean for both parties here? Wentz has a new career. Can start over. His career in Philly didn't go great. Did he have MVP-type seasons? Yes. Did he go to the Super Bowl with his help in the before he got hurt? Correct. Did he win the Super Bowl for his team? No. Nick Foles did. And in the later half of his career, the last couple of years, just hasn't turned out the way that he wanted it, the way the Eagles wanted it, and the franchise in general. It is just a real unfortunate circumstance for what Eagles fans had to go through the last couple of years with Wentz being hurt, quarterbacks coming in and out, trying new things, Doug Peterson not cooperating with Wentz. I mean, there was reports today that Wentz and Peterson weren't talking for eight, nine, ten weeks this season. They hate each other that much. Bad energy, no positive vibes in the locker room, that equals no success. Now with the draft picks here, the Eagles got a 2021 third-round pick, which is this year's draft, and the 2022 second-round pick, which can turn into a first, depending on Wentz's playing time with Indy. Now Wentz needs to play at least 75% of the Colts' offensive snaps in the 2022 season in order for that pick to become a first-rounder. Now with this trade of Carson Wentz, there will now be not a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016 that is still with his original team. That's 22 total quarterbacks not playing with their same franchise. So what does this mean for Carson Wentz? Like I said before, starting over a career. Indianapolis has arguably the best offensive line in football led by Quentin Nelson, right? You have a young offense with legitimate receivers, talents there. If Phil Rivers can do it at the end of his career, so can Carson Wentz. The only thing is, can Carson Wentz can Carson Wentz just stay healthy? There's a relationship with him and Frank Wright going together again. That's a big deal. But who won the trade? Is it the Colts or is it the Eagles? And the Eagles got two draft picks. If Wentz plays decently well for the Colts, plays a lot of the snaps, which I think he will, this all with an asterisk, depending on if he gets hurt or not, I think the Colts are not the winners of this pick. It's such a hard thing. I go back and forth. I was on Clubhouse. We'll talk about Clubhouse in a second. I was in a Clubhouse room with like 400 people talking about this trade and who won the trade. If if, If Wentz plays enough games plays the right percentage, 75% or more of offensive snaps, the Colts are uh, the the Eagles are getting a first-round pick out of Carson Wentz. They'll get a third-round pick and a first-round pick in the next two years. It's a huge deal for an organization. Now, with Philly, you have Sudfeld and Hurts. Now, the Eagles got a new coach. They got a new quarterbacks coach who supposedly worked with Hertz for a long time when they were kids, whatever. So Jalen, does he have the talent to be a starting quarterback in this league? 
Yes, we've seen it. He's had some ups and downs in his first year, which happens all the time for rookies. You're playing in a town that always wants to win 24-7. You're, you're playing in a competitive division. It's competitively bad this past couple of years, but in general over the years, the NFCs has been the most competitive com- uh, division in the NFL. The Giants, when they were really good, even Washington's had really good years in the years past. Last year, they had a pretty decent year. And then, of course, the Cowboys are always in contention every year, despite last year with Dak Prescott's season-ending injury. And the Eagles love to play, spoiler, a lot. So maybe they can actually have a run, but can Jalen Hurts do it? I think he can. Now, there's a difference between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, beginning of his career with the Eagles, majority of his career with the Eagles, was a leader, right? He has the C on his chest. That's what players loved him, loved about him. And, the, you know, personal loved Carson Wentz because of his leadership. Now Wentz gets hurt, gets hurt again. He's not talking to the coach, the head honcho. There's disagreements. He gets benched he doesn't want to he personally doesn't win a super bowl he's won, he won it he has a ring but he personally didn't contribute to winning that super bowl nick Foles is looked as a god because of it now jalen hurts gets the start over wentz in the season there's leadership is kind of going away. He's starting to think about himself, which understandable. You, you got to think about you, dude. At, in that moment, he's not playing great. He's always getting hurt. He's not having good conversations, and he's not having a good relationship with Doug Peterson. And now it's Jalen Hurts' team. So now the confidence is gone. Leadership skills are gone. Everyone's banking on Jalen Hurts now, the young rook. But now Jalen Hurts has had throughout his career playing football, in college, at Bama, and at OU. Everybody and their mother says, and I believe it, I've seen it firsthand, one of the best leaders on and off the field, in and out of the locker room. That's what the difference is here with Wentz and Hurts in this time period right here. Eagles said, we can't, we don't see a future with Wentz anymore. There's bad blood in the locker room. We need it out. Let's try getting something out of it. And they did. So now the Colt, now the now the Eagles have Wentz. I mean, excuse me, they have Hurts now, who is a quarterback where this is the new style quarterback. This is the new style of the of offense in the NFL. Run style quarterback, dual threat, who has athleticism on both sides and can play pretty well at the same time as well. So this is something we're going to see here. I think they should give Hurts a chance. Will they draft a quarterback in the first round? I don't think so. I don't think they should. Maybe I think they they could. I mean, they definitely could. But I think they should draft wide receiver help. I think I think they, they have a lot they need a lot of help. The Eagles need a lot of help on the defensive side too. But I think the priority here is you need to protect the quarterback and give your guys give Hurts some weapons. You can do that in the, in the first three rounds. Given that you've given a, you have another third round pick, try doing that. 
that's what needs to happen to help Hertz going forward. Now with Wentz, there's a lot of question marks. If Hertz gets hurt again, this is a huge L for the Colts. It's a huge risk to take. But you know when he's healthy, he's a very good quarterback. But we haven't seen in a long time. So it's a, there's a lot of ifs, a lot of question marks around this whole trade. But as of right now, I think the driver's seat is the Eagles getting these two draft picks. You're automatically getting a third and a second rounder. Second round next year, third round this year. It could be a third round this year and a first round next year, depending on how good Wentz becomes. So I think as of right now, I'm looking at the winner in this trade is the Eagles because of the draft picks. That's how I'm looking at it. Now let's talk about Vincent Jackson. Jackson found dead in a Florida hotel room. New reports have come out as of today that it looks like he could have been dead for up to about three days or so before being pronounced dead. That information was released by uh, Hillsborough County Medical Examiner on Thursday. His brain was donated to Boston University's CTE Center in an effort to learn more about his death. No signs of trauma or injury. There's a lot of question marks around this. It's very sudden. There was a um, you know a missing report gone out uh, that the family put out that they didn't know where he was. We don't really know what has gone on with Vincent Jackson in his personal life. He doesn't, from what I've read, doesn't have any issues with drugs or alcohol in his in his during his career or in his life in general. But 38 years old is a, is a really young age to go, man. I hope. It, it, it wasn't what a lot of people may think it is, maybe if it's suicide or not, but there is no signs of trauma, but we, we don't know. So we're, I'm sure we're going to find out details in the coming days. Over 12 seasons in the NFL, two teams, seven years with the Chargers, five with the Bucks, 37, 1,400 yards receiving from 2011 to 2013, which is the fourth most in, NFL, in the NFL over that span. And he's the first Bucks player to lead the NFL in yards receptions um, with 19.2 yards per reception in 2012. Pretty good receiver when, you know, the Phil Rivers era where they were really pushing uh, in their conference to go far. Um, very good receiver at the time. And um, lastly, I'll talk about Clubhouse. Clubhouse, man, it is this app. It's been out for, I would say, about a year or so. I just want to get it right here. Clubhouse app. It is a. It's an app that um, I would say it's taken over the world as of right now. So it's this audio only chat social networking app, which launched in 2020 by software de- developers. And as of two, December of 2020, it was valued at about 100 million dollars. On January 21st, 2021, which was Almost exactly a month ago, the evaluation the valuation reached a billion dollars. A billion dollars. This app is is their initial release was in April. This is an extremely new app. I think I might have said a year in the beginning of the of the podcast. It's extremely new. I've been on it since January 29th, I want to say. I look at my profile here. Yeah, January 29th, I've been on this app. And when I tell you, man, I haven't been off of it. I'm on it 
at least two, three hours a day, every day. A lot of it is for social networking. I would say 90% of it is for social networking. And then there's other fun, interactive rooms that do like a shoot your shot room where you're going to shoot your shot with men, women, whatever. It's, it's very fun. But the main reason I got it was for social networking for the podcast and, or, or just in career stuff in general. I've met great people in baseball. I've met some great people in sports business. I've met great people in podcasting and content creating and videography. I've met some crazy cool groups, some sports groups that I'm in. Pretty cool stuff. And I've thought about it. I'm kind of I'm thinking about maybe doing a sport podcasting group chat, whatever, room, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe the next couple of weeks. I have a lot of friends in the sports podcasting uh, space. Maybe think about doing my own kind of just discussions, learning about podcasting, learning about new things, and um, definitely something I'm interested in. Maybe we can do more. Um, definitely keep it really posted because it, it, you know what, it's nice to have small groups. What I've noticed, I've been in groups where there's four, five hundred people, and I have the ability to talk because I just get lucky. And then there's times when the rooms are like small, where there are 30 people, and it's it's more interactive. I've also been in groups where there's 4,000 people, where two weeks ago the max room was at 5,000. Now they moved it to 7,200, I think, or 7,500. Um, I think they're going to keep going up because it's actually still in the beta stages, which is pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, great app. I suggest you guys download it. Add me on Clubhouse. Just type my name in, Taylor Ringgold. And, yeah. All right, so that's the episode. Great episode. Tatis learned a lot about Tatis's contract in detail with that really unique firm, Big League Advance. I suggest looking up the, the firm, learning a little more about it. It's extremely interesting stuff. Can't find the other players, I think. You can't really find the other players they they work with, but this contract in general is pretty interesting. Um, so we'll see you guys next week. Go follow me on social media. Go follow me on YouTube, and we will catch you guys next week. Um, All right, we're out. Peace.